Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast, Omar here. Hey, this midweek sermon you're about to listen to is from our very own evangelist, David Deger Hernandez. He's going to be talking about the return of Christ. It's not a topic that's covered very often, so I hope you're encouraged, hope you're blessed. Well, God bless you this evening. We're so glad that you're gathering with us online. And as Pastor Omar was talking about, these certainly are interesting times that we're living in and as we said it's very important that you continue to support the kingdom of God I know that as you're looking at the situation around you human intentions usually cause you to hoard and to keep to yourself and while this might be tempting to do during this season it's important that you remember that God is still in control and that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine so as you're watching this right now I know that it can seem a little disconnecting and it's tempting to look at the situation and say well I'm not there in person so I'm going to stop supporting do you realize the church still needs to pay the lease the church still needs to pay for the various obligations that it has Now, we're not saying that a curse will come upon you if you don't give, but we are saying this, that the provision of God is yours. God will provide for you. And we know that because we have that faith in that provision, we're free to release what God has placed in our hands. So we encourage you, go right now. And if you're watching this on a laptop, it's probably preferable that you watch these things on computers or Apple TV or laptops because then you have access to your mobile device. Maybe use a secondary mobile device right now to go to the phone and text NEW to 62488. Again, you're going to text NEW. Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to text text any giving amount to 562-206-1519. That's 562-206-1519. Text the giving amount. It's very easy. And if you are a little worried about, um, you know, using online giving. Look, if you can survive all this chaos right now, you can survive giving online. And I promise you it's 100% secure. I use it. That's the way I give to the church. I've never had a problem. You know, the media kind of stirs unnecessary hysteria as we're learning in some cases, but they've also done the same for online giving. So don't worry about your identity being stolen. It's when you go to suspect websites that that becomes a problem. But when you give to this ministry, you know the ministry, you know what you're giving to. So again, text any amount to give right now to 562-206-1519. And as I said, it can be easy to feel disconnected from the church. It can be easy to feel like, oh, well, he's talking to someone else. No, I'm pointing right at you. Look, I'm talking to you. You need to go and support your church. You need to support the ministry. Don't let that go. Don't let that go for anything. If anything, cut Netflix, cut Hulu, cut Amazon Prime, cut, cut all those. You, you're not, you can't even go to the gym right now. Cut the gym membership. So go and cut all those things. Your eating out budget is cut because you can't go eat out. You're forced now to eat healthy and eat clean. And well, maybe not if you find some things at the grocery store. But you can find any reason, any excuse to not give, and I'm giving you reasons why you should. So don't be afraid. Don't withhold. Don't say within yourself, oh, bad times are coming upon me and this won't be the end until, you know, God knows when. I'm telling you this right now. God is in control. The economy is going to rebound after all this is said and done and things will get moving again. So don't withhold during this time and put your faith in God. I think if anything, This situation has demonstrated to us that our faith was in a system and not in God all along. 
And it's interesting to me that believers can become more excited about Donald Trump announcing that he may be sending checks to you than God's promises saying that he's going to take care of you. In other words, I trust Donald Trump's word on that check more than I do the Bible? No, that's craziness. God sometimes will have to shake systems to teach us where our faith is actually resting. And I think that this is proof to us that our faith, for some of us, if we admit it, was in a system. If you feel shaken, if you feel scared, if you feel like you have to hold back now, that's a demonstration to you that your faith was in a system and not in our Savior. But now it's a good time to begin to exercise that faith and say, you know what? I'm not a part of the world's economy. I'm a part of God's economy. And no matter what may come, God is going to take care of me. Just as the children of Israel prospered as they left slavery in Egypt, just as the children of Israel prospered in the wilderness when all else around them was going into chaos, so God will keep you blessed. God will keep you strong. God will keep you prospered. Even in the midst of this chaos, we are not a part of that system. We are a part of the kingdom. So you have no reason to fear God is in control. Now, I want to take you through the scripture here. And this is an important topic, I think, to cover. I want to talk to you about what Jesus said concerning the future. And I often say that the coming of Christ is, when I talk about it, when I say Jesus is coming, that's both an encouragement and a warning. It's an encouragement for you, the believer, because you know where your faith rests. But it's a warning to the wicked because when Jesus comes, he's coming back as a lion. The first time he came as a lamb, innocent, silent before his accusers. But the second time that he comes, he's bringing righteousness and judgment with him. And he's going to enact the swift justice of God upon the earth. The Bible says that the wrath of God is stored up or being stored up unto the day of judgment. So for those who don't know Christ... That is being stored up for them. And this is the beauty of the wisdom of God in doing so. He's demonstrating both his grace and his justice. The grace in that is that he's waiting at all. And the justice is that when it finally does come, it will be well deserved. So what we're talking about now is what Jesus said concerning the future. And I know you may not know what these times may hold. I know you may not know what the future holds. That's why one of my favorite phrases that I've ever heard, and I wish I came up with it, is I don't know who holds tomorrow. Or I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. The wicked would say, I don't know who holds tomorrow. But we the believers say, I know who holds tomorrow. And though the future may be uncertain, God's word has not stopped being certain. Though the future might be unpredictable, God's promises are not unpredictable. So take your Bibles right now. And if you're watching me on your phone that has your Bible on it, then go ahead and use a different phone or, you know, just follow along here. Now, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to look at what Jesus said concerning the last days. This is something I believe that every believer should understand and know, and I want to remove the mystery for you concerning the last days. You know, when you get into eschatology, people have so many different theories concerning Revelation and concerning Daniel's visions, and then they may even find some prophetic application in some of the writings of Ezekiel that maybe have double fulfillment. Some will say some of those chapters were for their time as well as for the future, and there's a lot of confusion when you get into symbolism and apocalyptic imagery, but I think that if we we look to the words of Jesus. Jesus really simplified the issue. So the way I approach the end times is I take Matthew 24 
the very clear teachings of Christ concerning the future. And then I pour into Matthew 24 the different concepts and visions and dreams and imagery from Revelation and Daniel and other uh, revelatory books. So let's go now to Matthew chapter 24. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number one where the Bible says, As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Verse 3, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So they're asking for two different things here. What is going to be the sign that signals your return and the end of the world? And the way they ask the question seems to imply that the return of Christ is the triggering event for the end of the world. Verse number four, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, they will deceive many. Now here, that phrase translation, Messiah, they're actually saying, I am an anointed one. So this is not many coming around and saying, oh, I'm the Savior, or I'm the Son of God, or I'm Jesus in the flesh, though there are some crazies who do that. What's actually happening here is there are men and women who get up and declare, I am anointed of God, when they actually aren't. And they become deceivers because rather than building the kingdom of God, they build their own empires, and they will deceive many. Verse number six, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. That's a certainty. You're going to hear about that. But don't panic. That's what he says. Don't worry. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. For all the preaching we hear about wars and rumors of wars being the sign or the hallmark sign of Christ's return, we actually see that Jesus tells us very clearly these things have to take place, but those aren't the signs of the end times. He goes on to say nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Verse 9, now this is interesting. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Now, I don't wish to make light of the persecution that's taking place in many different parts of the world. But I want you to notice here that Jesus very clearly tells us that persecution will be global during the end times. And it's not quite reached America yet the way persecution has reached other parts of the world. And there are degrees of persecution. Persecution can come as an insult. Persecution can come as discrimination. Persecution can come as actual physical harm. There are different degrees of persecution. But as far as physical persecution to where we're being arrested simply for proclaiming the gospel, that has not touched every part of the globe yet. But that's one of the leading signs that indicates to us that we're actually entering the end times. Verse 10, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Now you notice he says here, many will turn away from me. He's talking about believers. And they will betray and hate each other. Now they're turning their backs on the church that they once loved. Here we see people, in preachers even, leaving certain orthodox teachings. And what they do is they follow the doctrines of demons. They follow the doctrines of secular teachings. They filter their biblical worldview through a worldview that is secular and therefore alter the teachings of Christ that they might be accepted in the world. And what actually ends up happening 
is people who once preached a very clear, very powerful gospel begin to turn. And when they turn, they change their doctrine. They step into worldliness and then they turn against the people who they were once a part of. I'm pretty sure you've seen it time and time again. A believer comes in. They love the church. Everything is perfect. Oh, I love the, the worship. I love the ushers. I love the preaching. But by the time somebody leaves, they seem to hate everything. It's as if the church changed, but it's not really the truth, is it? The church doesn't change. The believer comes in, they become bitter, and then they leave. It's the person who changed. It's their attitude. They were influenced by a spirit of the age. That rebellion, that bitterness, that turning away from the faith is an attack of the enemy during the end times. So it says it very clearly there. Again, let's read it. Verse 10, and many will turn away from me. That's from Christ. So they were believers and betray and hate each other. And then they go back and hate the church because they no longer agree with their stances. Now, verse 11 says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. I covered a little bit of that when I was talking about a previous verse in verse 5. Now we're going to continue to read verse 12. I don't even know if I have to comment that much on this, but look at verse 12. It says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news, watch this, this is key. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. It's not the wars and rumors of wars, though those are a part of it. It's not the pestilence and the shaking of the economies, and it's not the civil unrest or the political discord. It's not the rampant sin. It's not the turning away from the faith. You see, if it were that darkness had to permeate the earth in order to signal the return of Christ, and that would mean that darkness dictated the return of Christ. If it were the case that Jesus would only return when everything was going chaotic, then that would mean that the systems of the world were in control. But God does not work on the world's timetables. God does not work according to man's timeline. God works on his own timeline. In other words, it's not all of these things that are signs to us necessarily of the nearness of the coming of Christ, though they are the birth pains that will lead up to that. But it is the preaching of the gospel all around the world. In other words, we don't leave this world in defeat. We leave in victory. Christ returns to a victorious church, not a defeated church. Christ returns to a people who are full of faith and power, who are taking the gospel all around the world, not to a people who are hiding and shivering in the corner, cowering from their enemies, waiting for Christ to take them out of the earth because they can't stand it anymore. No, we are going to be like the prophets of old. God will give us power and he'll give us greater dimensions of the anointing for the coming persecution. God will give us greater dimensions of his power for the resistance of the world. The greater the resistance of against the church, the greater the power upon the church. When Christ returns, he's coming to a victorious church. You don't need to be afraid. We've already won. It doesn't matter what happens out there. And people asking me, especially now, David, 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 are, are, we, are we in the last days? Is this it? Are we there? I tell them, you know what? I don't know. And if I were to try to give you a date, I would probably be wrong like everybody else has ever tried to predict it before me. And then there goes my ministry down the tubes. So I'm not going to give you a date. I'm not going to predict anything. Nor do I think that this coronavirus necessarily has much to do with it. People, I think in their own minds, um, they, they create scenarios sometimes that aren't even there. Could it be? Absolutely. I'm not going to say it couldn't. But the truth is that no one knows the day or the hour. 
So if no one knows the day or the hour, that means it could happen right now. But if no one knows the day or the hour, that means it could happen 100 years from now. We don't know. All we know is this, that we're to live lives prepared for the coming of Christ without fear. Do, I want you to really think about this. What are you afraid of? What are you, what are you fearing in all of this chaos that's going to happen? I mean, really think about it. Well, you know, Brother David, if, 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 if the economy continues to not hold, I might lose my job. Okay, what happens if you lose your job? Well, I, I, might, I might lose my house. Okay, what happens if you lose your house? Well, I, I'll have to go live with someone else, okay? Are you still alive? Are you still functioning? Are you still breathing in this world? There's a very interesting story about a philosophy professor who took his students uh, into the classroom and he wanted to teach them a lesson. So he takes them into the classroom first and he explains to them, in the next room, I want to serve you some of the best coffee in the world. And you don't want to know how the best coffee in the world is made. Google it if you're really interested, but I wish I didn't know. And I would never drink it if it was, if I knew. If I didn't, you know, it's just crazy. Um, so he takes them into the room. He says, I'm going to take you, you're going to have the best coffee in the world. So they go into this other room and when they enter, there are all these coffee mugs all over them. They have coffee mugs and coffee cups and porcelain and plastic and metal and glass and some are gold and some look pristine, some look worn out, some look simple, some are complex, some have strange designs and shapes, others were normal in size and shape. And so he watched as all the students went into the room and began to grab different coffee mugs, they were fighting over the gold one and fighting over the cool looking one. And after they had all wrestled to find their coffee mugs, then they finally all together enjoyed the world's best coffee. And he pointed out to them, he said, I want you to notice something. I told you all before we came in here that I was going to give you the best coffee in the world. Yet the moment we entered this room, all of you began to fight each other for the mugs and for the, the, the container for the coffee. He said, but all of you drank the same coffee. He says, it doesn't matter what your cup looks like and feels like. What matters is the coffee itself. He says, that's the same thing with life. Life is that coffee conversations with friends, worshiping your Lord, fellowshipping with one another, your, your spouse or your children or your parents or your grandparents, family and love and, and all of these things, sights and, and, and everything that God has given to us, sounds, there's music, we have movement, we have breath, we have life. Yet we're so obsessed with what we drink the coffee out of. And if life is the coffee, then the mug would be your house. The mug would be your car, the clothes you wear, the types of restaurants you eat at. I often joke with my ministry team whenever we're traveling. We've had dinner in all different parts of the world. We've had ramen in Japan and pasta in Rome. We've had tacos in Mexico and we've had Subway in Arkansas. You know, wherever you want to name it is. Every, every, every place has its different foods. And so we would go and every time we eat, I always tell them, guys... We're doing the exact same thing we do everywhere else. We're just hanging out, talking to each other, and eating food. I said, don't ever look at the setting. It's, it's just the time we share together. And I think if we adapt this perspective, I think if we adapt this perspective of gratefulness, I think it begins to shift things, especially with what we're facing. Now, I'm not predicting that this is the end of all things. I'm not here to tell you that you're going to lose your house or your car. I don't think that's going to happen. I honestly think that this, after a couple of weeks, is going to blow over, that the economy is going to bounce back, everything's going to get moving again. And trust me, with all these people pent up for two weeks, you better believe we're going to go to the malls and the movie theaters and the thing. But we're going to get out and we're going to go start living life. Okay, so it's going to bounce back. It's just a matter of time. And the economy does this anyway. But my point is, even if the worst case scenario 
happen. You have nothing to worry about. You have life and life more abundantly. So Jesus is talking about the victory. Jesus is talking about the gospel message going around the world and then the end coming. My point is very simple tonight. When considering all the end time signs, consider the one that Jesus said was the real indicator. And that is that it ends in victory. That means before the coming of the Lord, there will be one great revival such as no one has ever seen. All will hear the gospel. There will be a massive sweeping in of souls. And then the end will come. We have the victory. So you're looking around at the times. You're looking around at the signs. And you're saying, what's going to happen next? I don't know. But all I know is this. I can believe the promises of God. Even in this situation, I can believe the promises of God. Even with what I'm facing, I can believe what the word of God has declared. I don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. So do as you're doing. Someone asked me, what should we do? Should, should we keep going with services? Should we stop? Look, if you're a pastor, you're a minister, no matter what you decide, half the people will crucify you. Um, if you if you cancel your services, it's because you have no faith. If you keep your services going, it's because you have no wisdom. So either way, it's like you're going to be criticized. But we as believers, this is what I believe. Give to God what is God's. Give to the CDC what is the CDC's. Just participate. Let's cooperate. Let's join them in their effort. But you know what? While we're doing all of that, let's remember, ultimately, we have the victory. Ultimately, we are complete in Christ and we lack nothing we lack nothing. If all the foundations of the world should be shaken, God has not left his throne. If all the things of the world should fall apart, I've nothing to fear. For the one who formed it all carries me in the palm of his hand. The one who formed it all has given me his full and undivided attention. I have his attention. He looks at me. He listens to me. I look at him. I listen to him. That can't be broken. For nothing shall be able to separate you from the love of God. So we choose faith, not fear. Even looking to the signs of the times, we know that ultimately we have the victory. I want to pray with you now. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit himself would begin to comfort you, that you would sense that strength begin to rise within your spirit, that you would sense that, that, that power begin to give you that unction of faith that you would not shrink back, that you would not grow fearful, that you would not grow depressed, that you would not grow anxious, but that you would grow more and more in your faith. You've been asking God for more time with him. Well, here it is. You have more time with the Lord now. Father, in Jesus' name, I stretch my hands toward that one believing now, asking for strength, asking for courage, asking for boldness. And I pray that by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they would be endued with strength from on high. And Father, I pray uplift, uplift right now. I bind every spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, be made whole in Christ. And Father, we rebuke all sickness and disease. Right now, believe for your healing too. He wants to touch you. We believe for healing of sickness and disease. Father, we pray even miraculously, get rid of this COVID-19. Let, let the experts be astonished and confounded at how you handle the situation, Lord. And we thank you, Father. We pray, Father, that you begin to push back on that disease.
We, the believers, right now join our faith together. We pray you push back on that spread, Lord. We pray that that curve that they've been praying for would begin to happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I want you to say it right in your home. Say it because you believe it. Say amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.